Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Keep it safe. Keep it sacred, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Sacred Icon Show, an Xbox podcast for video game enthusiasts by video game enthusiasts. But we're here to do a little return to form to actually finish a project that we've started long ago. Finish what we started. (laughs) We are here to do something that is not related to video games, and that is to delve back into the world of Middle-Earth, our favorite world to live in, and finish uh, the Hobbit trilogy by talking about the Battle of the Five Armies film, released in 2014. I'm one of your hosts. It's Hollywood Hargis. Join with me as always is my buddy, my pal, my friend, Bohemian Brian over there. How you uh, doing? I thought you were going to say, I was like, what is he going to say? Brooklyn Brian? Nah, okay, I'll go Bohemian back. Brian sounds way cooler to me in Hollywood Hargis. Yeah. I mean, it's about to be Halloween, so we got to have a little little spice in there. Hollywood Hargis sounds like it doesn't wear any clothes. A little pumpkin spice. doesn't wear any. Well, I am. I'm, I'm literally wearing underwear right now. Look at this, Brian. I'm in my briefs, bro. Uh, wow. <laughs> That's when you know. Josh, did I tell you that this is live on Twitch? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm in my box of briefs, baby. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Brian, how do you feel about talking about the last entry in the Hobbit trilogy, what most people consider to be the worst in the Middle-Earth saga? Uh, I feel good because uh, we're getting, we can finally actually finish the trilogy we talked about. We started uh, we started uh, the prequel Star Wars. We did Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and never did Revenge. Then we did uh, Unexpected Journey, and then I think Desolation was got to been close to a year after that. We did Desolation then, the day I had my back injury, like right after okay. we recorded it in February. There you go. <laughs> it happened. And, and we also uh, did uh, two episodes yeah. of your top 50 games and never finished it. 
and never finished that either. So they're all there though, and we still got Baldur's Gate Part One. You know, there's all kinds of stuff yeah. to finish. Um, but we're gonna actually finish this up, guys. We came here. We originally want to talk about Fellowship of the Ring because that's our favorite movie, and that's what I've been reading uh, recently. But I was, I said to Josh, I'm like, you know, we need to give Fellowship something real special. Let's get Battle of Five done and actually wrap up a trilogy. So this makes me feel good uh, too because yeah. we were, I was, guys, I was literally at work 20 minutes ago talking to Brian through text, and I was like, man, I was like, uh, the only thing that sucks is we're we're skipping ahead. You know, to, to talk about Skipping Fellowship of the Rings five, yeah. when we could yeah. do that one. And then, yeah, I get in and he's like, let's do that instead. I'm like, yeah. Let's do Battle of Five. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, um, originally the Hobbit movies were going to be done by Guillermo del Toro. Um, and he was going to do two films. Um, and it kept getting trapped in some kind of limbo for a long time. And eventually Guillermo was just out. And then it was like, well who's going to do the Hobbit movies? And then basically they were like, Peter Jackson, will you come back and do the Hobbit movies? You have like no prep time. And if you say no, we're canning the project pretty much. And he was like, all right, I guess it's, you know, I guess it's my duty to, to my, to my world to, uh, to get this done. So he comes back, has very little prep time, has to scrap a lot of stuff so he can do it his way because a lot of the pre-production stuff was Guillermo del Toro's way. And while he said it was good, he needed to, you know, he needed to be able to do his own thing, and he ended up keeping some of the elements from from Guillermo del Toro's version. But uh, they went right into it, and they started the whole process again with New Zealand, and and what what originally was going to be two movies. It was going to be called um, An Unexpected Journey was the first one, and the second one was going to be called There and Back Again. But uh, I think it was Josh. We we went back and forth on this before. Was it? Through production of the first movie, or after we saw the first movie, that it was going to be, they turned it into three films. I think it was while they were filming the first one. Yeah, I like. I feel like I, I almost feel for certain that we had the announcement before. I feel like when we went to. I feel like when we went to see Unexpected. Yeah, we thought it was going to be three. Three at that point. Yeah, yeah I'm going to look this up just to see. But I'm, yeah, they had to be because they they had a different split off point for the first movie. Right. Um, beforehand yeah yeah I, I don't know but uh either way i mean i was i remember specifically you and i like we weren't really hanging out too much around this particular time but i, I do remember having a conversation through i think facebook or something about both of us just being excited that it was three movies when the announcement came like they oh, said yeah. it was two, two they said it was two like and i i think even though you know most people these days would still rather guillermo's t- would rather have seen his take Brian and I just always nothing against Garamo. I mean, he's done some great stuff. Oh, this but is the take we I wanted. Want. Yeah. Peter Jackson. We just we we you know just like George Lucas doing the original six Star Wars. We wanted Peter Jackson yeah. for this, and then it he's announced to be coming back, and we're like yes. And then not too long after, you know, they announced the three movies because I I just remember being sitting there and I'm in my apartment and I'm thinking like man it'd be so cool if they did three just like they did the Lord of the Rings two trilogy. Yeah, I'm like you yeah. do two. You just like, why not do one more. <laughs> like five five movies on the shelf. Well, no, and the interesting thing about this is movies. when Guillermo was originally set to do the two films, the first film, An Unexpected Journey, for you guys that didn't know, was going to be an open and shut story of The Hobbit. The second film was not going to be any content from The Hobbit. It was going to be a, just a bridge movie of The Hobbit to Fellowship of the Ring events tying in. You know, So there is a part of me that is always going to be fascinated with the what if, what might that have looked like as an entity? Because what we got with the Hobbit trilogy by Jackson is very much, you know, the Hobbit story as we know it stretched out with 
a lot of stuff from the appendices to bridge it all into fellowship. It's made to feel but like Guillermo's, a prequel trilogy. Yeah, but Guillermo's take was going to be something very entirely different. So that always that, that very much fascinates me. Yeah, but I, I think me and Josh, though, at the end of the day, are pretty happy we just have six Peter Jackson middle For sure. films. Like, that feels really awesome to have that. And, of course, like, and the thing is, I can, I can even say, we're going to be all over the place with this episode, but, like, I can even say for 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 loving someone who loved Rings of Power, and I, I like it more than Josh does, um, Rings of Power still didn't bring the, it didn't bring the Peter Jackson vibes as much, you know? No, but it was, it was... I think you could see his felt missing it, yeah you know oh, for sure i think when uh, there was always a part of me that was hoping somewhere in the production for that that they'd say eh, peter jackson's on set today he's he's gonna direct yeah. he's taken over you know no he was left out of it he yeah left out of it's, it. it's 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 kind of ironic in a way that uh when i look at my two favorite franchises being middle earth and star wars that you know george was out after six and then jackson was out after six and you know yeah there is the you know I, I don't ever expect george to return back to star wars but there's that hope that for for myself at least i can't speak for you brian but that jackson will at least return to helm one more movie of some nature mm-hmm. with a wdb or thing. be a producer at least i mean I, I wouldn't even want that that's not enough well i don't <laughs> he think was going to be a producer with this yeah. uh with the guillermo take but i just it's one of them tough situations where it's not nearly as bad as george lucas but you got to kind of wonder if peter jackson would want to put his hands in the directoral chair again because like I mean, I, well, this is going to be a big part of the conversation here. We haven't really totally got to yet, but, like, people shit on these movies, these Hobbit movies. These these three Hobbit movies are, are often made fun of as jokes, and they suck, and they're nowhere near as good as The Lord of the Rings. And, well, I don't think they're as good as The Lord of the Rings movies. Like, to me, they're, like, in a sense, they're just as good as in, like, I want all six to be there, and I want to watch them all and experience them all. But, of course, like, The Lord of the Rings was, was done better um, but I thought these films were done really good. And the, and the thing that's, that's so interesting about these movies, and I don't know, for anyone listening, if you were there in the thick of it, following these movies and going to see them in the theater, you'll probably remember what I'm saying. But if you if you weren't, you, you won't. But when these movies came out, like Unexpected came out, and everyone was pretty much like, oh, that, was, that was a little different, but like, yeah, like it, was, it was good. Like it was another good Middle Earth movie. You know, and then Desolation of Smog came out, and people liked it even more. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's not perfect. It's not Lord of the Rings, but like, this is pretty cool. And like, Smog is awesome. And like, I can't wait to see the Battle of Five Armies. And then what happened is the Battle of Five Armies came out, and it was clearly the worst movie of the six by far. And it also felt like, because it was originally supposed to be two movies, and then he made it three, feels like a lot of the stuffing to fill out the third ended up going into this third movie. So by the time everyone watched Battle of Five Armies, it was kind of clearly the most disappointing. Now, I've, I've met plenty of people who... I've met people who said Battle of Five Armies was their favorite of the six. So, I mean, I've met all kinds. But, like, most people, they're like, ah, Battle of Five Armies sucked. And then what ends up happening is the whole conversation, everyone looks back at the trilogy retroactively once Battle of Five Armies is done. And everyone's like, oh, the whole trilogy sucks. It's garbage. It's silly. It's goofy. It's dumb. It's bloated. I don't like it. Peter Jackson's just like George Lucas. He lost it. Blah, 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 blah. And it, that just became the narrative is, like, how much the, the Hobbit movies suck and... Uh, really suck for me and Josh because we love these movies so much. And while we do think Battle of Five Armies is clearly the weakest, uh, it's still got a lot of good in it. It still completes out the trilogy, completes the six. And the three movies all together are just full of amazing moments. And it's, I mean, I watch these just as much as I watch Lord of the Rings. Like if I, I told Josh, like we used to, we do like favorite movie rankings. I'm like, you got to do one per franchise, otherwise it's uninteresting. Because my top six movies would be the six yeah, middle. And I get movies. it. I would want to do that too. Yeah. I, I yeah. never ever do a ranking by by franchise. I never do like 
Like I, you know, you like I'll I'll just say, oh, Jurassic Park franchise, Star Wars franchise, or Star Wars original trilogy, Star Wars. Pre-. I never like to do that because there's no fun. Then you don't get thinking yeah. about it. But when you got to split it yeah, up and exactly. one per franchise, then it gets fun. But uh, before yeah. we begin the conversation, let's take a little a jump back in time to 2014 when we got the first trailer to kind of get you guys up okay. to speed. beautiful brian thank you been working on my voice for a while keep going brian i've been watching a lot of old dudes eat tomatoes i will have war i've watched it a few times Marketing push here was this is the final you know final chapter the 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 the, the six movies is finally complete. Um, we were incredibly hyped for this movie. Josh said when when the first Hobbit came out we weren't hanging out as much, but when the Battle of Five Armies came out we were hanging out like every day, and uh, we were super stoked for this movie. Josh ended up getting sick the night of the of the premiere, so it was me, my brother, and Justin who ended up going, and then. And I've told the story, I mean, most stories we have end up coming out in this podcast some point before we get to the episode that actually has to deal with the story. <laughs> Too true. But like, man. but I remember, uh, so I ended up seeing it with, with Justin and Creighton, and then I was like, I'll go see it again with Josh tomorrow, because I was, I was like, I'm going to see this movie four times, mm-hmm. so five times, don't matter anyways. And uh, so we're watching the movie in the theater, me, Creighton, and Justin, and we get to this part where it's there at Dogledur, and all the ring rates come out. Oh, yeah. And uh, Saruman shows up, and Elrond shows up, and Elrond takes out a sword, and he's like, "You should have stayed dead." Mm. And then there's like this badass fight with Tasty. all the ring race and all the shit. Yeah. And then they like expel Sauron back to back to the the lands of Mordor. And I was like, "Holy shit, that was awesome!" And I just hear my brother be like, "That was stupid." And I'm like, <gasps> "What?" He shot like, through the heart. So stupid. And I was like, "What are you What are you talking about? That was badass." <laughs> Creighton just thought it was so lame and un, and unneeded. And I was like. Okay, whatever. So then when I went to see the movie with Josh the next day, I was like, okay, Josh, there's this really, really badass part in the movie. I'm not going to tell you until after you've watched it, but this really badass part, my brother Creighton thinks is stupid. And we get to that part, watch the whole thing, it plays out, and Josh was like, that was fucking awesome. And I was like, 
That's the part Creighton thinks sucks. You're like, what? Was it, were you nourished by my words after what Creighton oh, yeah. said? Bless his heart. I was like, I think Josh is going to love this, but if he doesn't, I'm going to feel really weird because I'm like, how can you not? This is That so is actually, cool. still to this day, I think that's my favorite part of that, that movie. And, and two funny stories for me, um, which you already kind of touched upon, but yeah, I got food poisoning. I'll never forget. I, I haven't looked at pepperoni pizza rolls uh, the same way ever since. Ooh. But uh yeah, I got food poisoning, and then I remember Brian being a good dude, and I called off that night, or maybe it was the next night or something like that, and Brian then ended up covering for me, because I remember a couple of people were at work, like, he probably just wanted to see that Hobbit movie, and Brian was like, no, he actually got sick. Brian and I were still working together at the time, so Brian was like, yeah, no, he actually got food poisoning. He did not go to that movie, and uh, I was like, that's my dude, that's my dude, and... I remember that. And uh, then I remember actually seeing the movie with Brian, and... There's a little bit of that buzzkill. You guys maybe will know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when you get to see something with someone and you kind of miss that first experience with them. So mm-hmm. they're getting that first experience again vicariously through you. But you're like, shit, I missed out on that launch experience. But I was still so excited to go see that movie. And one of the beautiful things that uh, I, I still love about this movie itself and just the trilogy as a whole is just like in Return of the King. When it gets to the end of the credits, uh, there are beautiful paintings of all the actors rendered as the credits are playing and stuff like that. And it's showing everyone, you know, from the trilogy as a big celebration of it all. And I have to pee so bad, so bad. And I'm sitting there with Brian. I'm like, this is the worst I've ever had to go during a movie. And I'm just like rocking back and forth almost. And I'm like, and Brian's like, man, isn't that cool? And I'm like, so cool. So cool. You know what I, and I, I'm, I'm kind of mad at myself. Cause I'm like, I don't want to feel this way. You know, this is a triumphant moment and it's over and there's no more middle earth movies to look forward to. We never know if we'll ever get anything like this again. I'm like, I have to pee. I can't think about that until I pee. So anyway, we get out, you know, I wait for the credits. They're all done and they're a long, they, they take forever. Okay. You yep, know, if, yep. if you've ever seen a middle earth credit, <laughs> I get out and I go to the restroom. Brian's standing right outside the theater room because the restroom's right across there. Right as I come out, I see Brian, but I can't see my peripheral vision. And I tell Brian, bro, I was so hydrated. And I say it really loud because it doesn't look like anyone else is there. And as I'm finishing my sentence, there's a whole group of people getting their tickets ripped by the uh, usher. And I was like, Fuck me with a football. Let's get out of here right now. I'm so embarrassed. And I just remember that to this day, it was just really. At least you didn't come out and you're like, that was the Duke of my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was it was a great experience going to see them. I think the reason we didn't wait for you is because I think you canceled. Like, Oh, I'm glad you guys went. Yeah, because I canceled but, pretty short. Yeah, it was very close. Yeah. Like, I think we were. It didn't. I don't even know. Yeah. It didn't bother me. Like, we might have been at the theater already. I don't know. Well, I just I just remember telling you, like, I couldn't go and I was so mad at my myself but i wasn't really bothered that i was too sick to care i think so there was a yeah, no part of me that. that it was actually bothered that you guys still went yeah. um and i knew like you usually see a movie several times if you really like back, it back then i did yeah. never happened <laughs> <laughs> look on your face as you say that but now i don't even see him once you know it was really cool to see this movie because i had a lot of expectations going into it especially with tariel and i was wondering you know there was for me and i know brian to an extent too you know, there was a lot of criticisms given to the Return of the King finale, just the all the endings that that had. And 
I know him and I sometimes were waxing speculation on, are they going to do something like that? Like, how do we think they're going to wrap this one up really and tie it into everything? And I was hoping that we'd get a lot of that, you know, because I, I really, you know, everyone says it's a lot of people say it's too much. Other people say that was perfect in Return of the King. I'm the guy that says you're still missing Legolas and Gimli. So, but it's good. It's good, you know. So, I really wanted a very thorough ending and and going into this movie I had a lot of expectations for that and I didn't necessarily get them and we'll get into that, but he gave like two endings. Yeah, and some weird Easter egg nods like camera wink winks. Like, go train with this Dunedain oh, dude oh. named Aragorn. You know, it's like yeah. looking at the, Sit, it's like uh, Han Solo in the Solo movie, you know, shooting first. That's why I always shoot first. Yeah, because like, you know, there's not going to be another movie. So like all that wink wink is towards them meeting in fellowship, yeah. which is like, okay, yeah. you know. But it was. But okay, like, I would say, Josh, well, so this came up on Rotten Tomatoes. It came up as a fresh tomato. Oh, yeah. Let's hear. What is the Rotten Tomatoes? Well, so it came up as a fresh tomato and it was a fresh tomato for, for months. Okay. It was so fresh that it was. Fr- it wasn't that fresh, but it was fresh enough that they did their critic consensus. You know how, like, once it's fresh enough, they do a critic consensus that reflects that. Yeah, they got the little. So, yeah. yeah. So the critic consensus said, though somewhat overwhelmed by its own spectacle, The Hobbit: The Battle of the Five Armies ends Peter Jackson's second Middle Earth trilogy on a reasonably satisfying note. Mm. So, critical consensus was good. It was fresh. The audience score seventy four. But months after the movie released, enough critic reviews came in that it hit the first point of rotten. So it is rotten. technically a rotten tomato at Oof. 59%. Oof. Not the kind that Denethor eats. This is the kind that he had to have thrown Man, out. Man, those tomatoes look so one. good, though, bro. Denethor be so, eating oh, the good top drawer tomatoes. Ooh, you just know it. Juice. So six films, six films, and one of them by 1% is rotten. Uh, that'd be Battle of Five Armies. The other two are like 74, I think, for uh, Desolation, and like 64 for Unexpected. So well, I definitely... Yeah. If we can kick this off, I actually would love to get your take on this because okay. to kick this movie off for a lot of people, in some ways, desolation gets more fault, but it kind of commits a big sin for a lot of fans. And when you guys watch desolation at the very end, smog leaves uh, to go to Lake Town and it ends in a cliffhanger. And everyone thought we were going to get the conclusion of that in that movie but they're saving it. We had to wait a year to get to get that conclusion. So you wait a year, you go in to Battle of Five Armies, and the smog stuff is like 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes out of a three-hour movie. And it feels weird. By the time you're done at the end of the movie, Bilbo's getting back to the Shire, it's weird to think that Smaug was in this movie. Well, and it's what they did is they did something they'd, they'd never done before. They, they had made a conscious decision for the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit up to this point to have a, seg- a, a segment, an intro to each movie to bring you in. Mm-hmm. Fellowship was the forging of the rings. Two Towers was Gandalf fighting the Balrog. Return of the King was Gollum, or Smeagol becoming Gollum. Then you had Unexpected, which was telling the story of Erebor. Then you had Desolation, which was um, Thorin meeting Gandalf at Bree. Uh, to talk about their journey. So they'd always had like, oh, a special scene to bring you in, to not just start you where you left right. off. Um, but then you get to Battle of Five Armies, and they're like, ah, we'll just cut the ending off of the last movie, mm-hmm. and that'll be our intro for this one. There is no, there is no like, oh, here's a flashback sequence. It's just, nope, Smog's attacking uh, Lake, and Lake I, Town. You know? it's, I'm really glad you actually said all that, because I, I love how they set all that stuff up. Me going into all that stuff for the first time back in the day, like with Fellowship... 
great to get a sense of the lay of the land, uh, where things are at and why they are the way they are yeah. now. You get to two towers. I'm so glad they didn't reveal the Gandalf stuff because you know, these, I'm, I'm so glad they saved it for the two towers because what a great reveal. Kid me finishing fellowship thought he was legit dead, you know, and I didn't go necessarily right away and read all the books and, and get all consume all the lore at the time. So that was a great way to open the movie. I was like, oh, he's alive. Well, how's he going to factor into this movie? Well, you got to watch and find out. Return of the King. You get to that opening with Deagle and Smeagol and you're like, oh, wow, this is he was a hobbit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, you're like, here we go. This is the beginning of the end. You get to the Hobbit stuff and, you know, it's again, first, you know, the lay of the land, the setting of the time and stuff. You get a little bit of that preface, you know, again, by fellowship, you know, to really kind of set that and remind you of that stuff. Like with the, we're going to see the trolls and all this stuff. It sets the stage. Remember the unexpected opens up and it's just like, it's, it's Ian Holm again talking about, oh, Erebor. Halls of blah, 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 blah. And he's talking about the dwarves. He's talking about the elves and their jewels. Yeah, and we get Elijah Wood. Yeah, you get Elijah, you know, you get, well, you get Smog and all that stuff, and then, yeah, then it goes to Contemporary Day, and you get Elijah Wood and all that, and then, like I said, once once we came in for Desolation of Smog, I was like, this is so cool, again, because you get to see, you're back in Bree, Peter Jackson has his carrot again as an Easter egg uh, in in the Bree section. Um, and you have Gandalf you talk to that you, really all if, got set in motion. Yeah, because if you remember in Desolation, it's like Gandalf and Thorin are talking, and then they go back and forth, back and forth, and then Thorin's like, "Well, how are we going to steal it?" And then it's when Gandalf's like, "You're going to need a burglar." And then it just goes like, "One." It says the thing at the bottom is like, "One year later," and and Bilbo pops his head up. Yeah, it's like, a shot of him like right Beowulf. before we meet uh, what's yeah. his nuts, Beowulf. Yeah, Beorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so then, but since the, so when you get to Battle of Five Armies, like you knew something was kind of off already because you're like, none of that's there. It just like as I remember, I think it was like the screen was just black, and then suddenly it's just like, boom, and it's like Lake Town on fire. Yeah, well, I always love now. You know, I, I gave the preface and everything, but I actually really love what they did with it. I've always really liked it. Oh, uh, the you opening know? of Battle. And, I mean, yeah, and nowadays I like it too because typically if I'm watching the movies, I want to start that one right after. It's the same way of like if I'm watching Rogue One and I just finished that. I want to pop in a new hope immediately, even if I'm just going to watch the first 20 minutes and then stop for now. Uh, I don't mind it. And I remember sitting in there in theaters when I saw Desolation by myself and I was like, oh, I was like, man, that's awesome. I was like, oh, I don't want to wait a year, you know, but in that good way that you're just so excited to get back to it. I thought the smog opening was really cool. It does feel jarring, though, by the end of the movie. Like if I'm looking across at Brian and I'm going, remember, remember that smog was in this movie? It's weird. Yeah, it feels like he was cut and placed into this movie because it, once it gets to the part where like the title screen comes up and it says the Battle of Five Armies, that kind of feels like when the movie he gets starts he gets what I called Count Dooku, right? So like in Revenge of the Sith, Count Dooku is in there for like the first 15, 20 minutes and he's out, and by the end of the movie, you're like, Count Dooku was in this movie, really? You know, it's weird. Yeah, you never think yeah. about that at all. But I think it's a great um, but- opening to set the stage in motion for how things go moving forward. Yeah, so let's talk. Let's just go through first, Josh, why this movie is the one that most, and I think, well, in us, it's your least favorite too of mm-hmm. the six, right? Yeah. So it's it, this is the movie that's least favorite to. <laughs> yeah, thirty-four, thirty-four. You know, <laughs> um, but no, this is our least favorite movie. So like, let's go kind of go through some of the reasons. So obviously, for me, the the opening's a little strange. You, you said you like it, Josh, but um, oh yeah, and I that, acknowledge, that is, I acknowledge yeah. it's strange. I just uh, I still enjoy it. Yeah. I love a good cliffhanger. I I enjoy it as as well. I mean, I enjoy the whole movie, right? Like when you're just a big freaking like token nerd, then you're just, you love it all. But um, I think 
the biggest sin of this movie, well, there's a couple, but like one of them is legitimately Alfred. Um, because if you talk, if we, we've talked about Alfred before, so Alfred's the butler. <laughs> the fate of Alfred. Alfred is the, Hot, the Hobbit yeah, Alfred, 3, Alfred, the fate of Alfred. Alfred is the butler from the, this introduced in the second movie under the Master of Lake Town. Now, in the second movie, he has a couple dumb lines. He's here and there. He's, you know, he's he's the one that stops them when they come into Lake Town, and um, he's the one that like questions them when the dwarves come before the Master. He of Lake hates Town, but Bard, he's not bro. There. Just freaking hates him. He hate, yeah, he hates Bard, and but there's not too much of him in Desolation of Smog. But then you get to Battle of Five Armies, and Peter Jackson is just like, well. Got to have another three-hour epic. Let's see if we can get 30 minutes more Alfred. And very quickly, you realize that Alfred is in this movie a lot, and it definitely tanks the film when he's on screen. Um, there's the whole... When 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 Lake Town gets, like, demolished, and then it goes to, like, the water where they're all climbing out of the water, and he's like, Help, us! Help me! I'm drowning! He comes out on stage, and or not on stage, he comes out on the beach, and he comes out on stage, and it's <laughs> beatboxing. But he comes out on the beach, and he starts, like... Um, trying to like dr- pull down old women to get himself up yeah. off the ground, and then and then B- Bard comes out and he goes up to Bard and he's like, "I have always said Bard is a very noble stature," and he's like full of shit and he's like, and everyone's like, "No, you're just his thing. His last name's like Leakspill or something, like Alfred Leakspill." And there's one woman who's like, "You tried to run with the master," and it's like it's just really cringe. It basically he he immediately sucks up to Bard and tries to be like Bard's right-hand man for the whole movie. Yeah, because the Master of Lake Town gets killed during the show. Uh, yeah, the Master of Lake The Shire attack. The, the, the scoring of the Shire. But yeah, yeah. the uh, smog attack. So, so, so then, like, throughout the whole movie, you have Alfred just being ridiculous, being dumb. He he mistreats Gandalf at one point. He, uh, he stuffs his bra. He wears a, a woman's dress mm-hmm. so that he doesn't have to fight. And then he stuffs his bra with gold. And Ends then, up being uh, his ruin. And Ends then uh, ruin. Bard comes up to him and he's like, he's like, uh, you know, I don't know, he gives him crap or whatever. And then that's when Bard's like, not every man's brave enough well, to wear a corset. <laughs> which is so stupid. And then to make matters worse, despite how much screen time this dude gets in the movie, in the extended cut, you get to see his fate. There's another scene with him. And he basically hides with his giant gold titties in a uh, a catapult, and it accidentally gets triggered, and while Gandalf's fighting a massive troll, Alfred and his giant <laughs> golden tits it goes it goes sl- it goes slow mo, and he looks it's almost like he looks at the camera and he's like, "Well, guys, this is the end," and then he gets slinged into the troll's mouth and killed. Just so so stupid, so I, dumb. Like, you know, so- even hearing all that, he sounds so hilarious. He is he is he's the Jar Jar Binks, bro. Oh no, don't say that. I love Jar Jar. He is he is such a he's not a detriment at this point because he's such an inside joke with how much his character is hated that he ends up being what we usually go back to and talk about the most with this movie. You know what I mean? And and honestly, the the trilogy he's one of those big standouts. Like when you want to talk about like what the people say and people a lot of people exaggerate when they talk about this got stretched out and this got a lot of different fluff in there. It's it's just a lot of stuff from the appendices. A lot of it's still canon stuff that happened, but. The Alfred thing is a wholly original, just like Tariel, but yeah. it's a whole different side. There is one sentence in The Hobbit that mentions the master of Lake Town has a butler. That is yeah. it. They don't name him. They don't mention him again. But yeah, I, 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 if you ask me who has more screen time in this movie, Legolas or Alfred, I'm honestly not sure. I think it might be Alfred. 
Like I'm dead. It's serious. possible. It's possible. Uh, so, so big detriment to this movie right off the bat I think, for me. I, I really think Legolas and Tariel, and I would think most people would say it's for the better. I think they get shoved aside um, for the the grander. They have the uh, Gundabad. Yeah, but that's what I mean. They're kind of off doing their thing, and you kind of get this weird random revelation about. Uh, Legolas's mother. I was gonna and say they kind of tied that in. Mother. Yeah, they kind of tied this into the end with um. Oh my god, I'm, I keep wanting to say Glorfindel in my head, but um, what is what is uh his dad's name? Oh my god. Oh, uh, Randall. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, they have a weird conversation at the very end of the movie when he tells him about Aragorn, and he's like, you know, I loved your mother, something like that, and it's just like. Where did this come from, guys? Where are you dropping yeah. this there's in the There's a lot third of moments. Uh, where's yeah. the... There's a lot of moments like that in this and movie. I, because there's that, and then there's the Strider comment that you already mentioned. Yeah. And the problem for me is, I, I, I like that that's there. It makes me interested. Like, when he mentions his mother to Tariel, I'm like, oh. I'm like, whoa. Tell me more. I want to know more about this. They never nope. expunge on it. And then it's just this random, like dialogue between him and his dad that sort of never been tackled before and you know another thing that i always uh, has always stood out to me and i always forget to bring up just and whenever i talk to people about these things and it's actually about the random will in the desolation of smog movie when they're interrogating i think the uh the little orc there's a part when he like shows the side of his face and it like almost for a second like reveals that it's all like skull like skeletal and everything and i was like what the fuck is that they never go into that well, they, he explains. Does he? He does say that. He says that I too have been touched by dragon fire. Yeah, but I mean, like, what's? How so. can he? Why is he? So what? He's just got a whole makeup job. He's got some Revlon on there. Yeah, I mean, I guess like they don't I go don't into know. that. I, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. I'm assuming that's not in the books either. Yeah, that he has like, a half so dragon burned face. Um, but yeah, the, the movie like tries to make a bunch of points that no one asks for it to make, and they they feel out of left field. There's there's a uh, Legos's mother. There's um, Thranduil mentioning mentioning that Legolas should go meet somebody named Strider, and and then there's also this this funny po- like I don't know I've never made this joke to you before so I don't know if you remember what scene I'm talking about exactly but it's right around that time that Thranduil says to to Legolas to go meet Strider he's like like Legolas starts to walk away and he's like Legolas your mother loved you yes and and Legolas puts out his hand and it's almost like he's like here's a coupon for Checkers Day <laughs> to him real quick. And then they just leaves him, and it's like, oh, thank you, I've been wanting this two for one special, you know. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, like, if, here's the thing too. Like, so uh, one of the biggest criticisms of the trilogy is the love triangle between Evangeline Lily's Tario character and Keeley the dwarf. And to be completely honest, and sometimes I forget this, um, when I watched the first two movies, or I guess you could just say the second movie because uh, um, Tario was not in the first movie, um, their little kind of like flirtation in Desolation of Smog. It works all right for me. I mean, it's it's okay. It's it, I it never like that. goes, it never goes too weird. I mean, I know there's the whole like, <laughs> like her looking like she's giving him a hand job scene in the Desolation of Smog, oh, where she's like, "Heliada, feel my rod." Um, Is that an awakening for me or what? I'm glad I saw I, that movie by myself. I, Josh crossed his legs. When we I got did not cross my legs. I insisted my pants. I, I scooted over a couple. Of <laughs> I was. I don't know that man. I was, like, oh. um, I was in there, but bones. no, it's, it they had to come in and say, "What's going on?" I said, "Nothing. I'm just so great that uh, that this this movie's good. It's good. It's good. No problem here." But it, how are it you? It was acceptable more so in Desolation, and then you get to the third movie, and it gets really weird with like she gets so emotional about him, and there's like the moment where she says to Thranduil, "She's like, the dwarfs will be slaughtered," and it's like. 
okay, calm down. Like, it's okay, you know? And it's like, and then they get to the end where, you know, he he dies and, and she's like so upset and then she cries over him and then there's that super cringe line where she's like, why does it hurt so much? And Thranduil's like, because it was real. And it's just, it just falls flat on its face, that whole love why? angle. It just, it just does. It doesn't work Here's my at reason all. Why I, I don't I think believe it works the, because I don't, I don't buy the Because Tariel is the only elf we see in this trilogy and you know really if you're watching this chronologically she's the first elf we really get this look into of you know most of the other elves are all vain they keep to themselves uh they're very sheltered self-centered and she's the first one that gets curious about the outside world the bigger picture of everything that's going on and she sees a dwarf who is kind and flirtatious where all these other male dwarves or i'm sorry male elves are vain and like I said, self-centered. This guy is just fun, kind of nice, and he's just shooting the shit with her, having a normal conversation. And I think he just represents less uh, less about love and more about the world as a whole. This woman has been sheltered, sort of, you know, almost like Stockholm Syndrome. She can't even be with the one who she kind of loves, which is Legolas, because... Legolas' dad is like, you're a lowly sylvan elf. That's never going to happen. So this girl is like, you know, that's, that's kind of her opportunity to get out there and explore the world. And this guy is just so nice to her and likes her as she is, even though she's an elf and dwarves aren't supposed to like elves. Elves aren't supposed to like dwarves. And by the end of the movie, I think when she says that line, I think the reason she's asking is because she's ne- she's not at all familiar with this type of feeling at all in her life. She's never, elves don't really die and when they do, I mean, it's really at the cost of battle, but she, the only person, as far as we know, that she's ever really cared for is Legolas. So this elf that, or I'm sorry, this dwarf that she's suddenly latched onto and got like, in a, uh, you know, a f- feelings for dies. And she's like, well, why, why does it hurt so much? I, mean, I don't know how the hell to process this. What is this feeling I'm feeling right now? And then Thranduil, who's been there for a long time, is like, I know all about love. I've been here for a long time. By the way, uh, Legolas had a mom. I know you never met her before. No, no one knows about her until now, but I loved her. And it's because it was real. You know, it's because it was real, darling. You know? I, I think your explanation is a lot better than what the movie conveys personally. But we can agree to disagree if you don't. Well, I appreciate that. that. I mean, I'll still yeah. take that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, my biggest problem, <laughs> I'm the biggest Tariel apologist. The old guys will ever find it's but, one of the, it might be josh's single biggest criticism of this movie is that they don't finish what happened yeah and i i know i can't make this argument without sounding biased but i'm gonna try anyway uh you know just the movie is we're talking about with all these endings you know legolas wasn't there in the books but it stands to reason why he would have been there and uh it makes sense why he's there so the ending feels weird because it's just tacked on so it's strange. Tariel's an original character, so they have her in there because there wasn't really any other females, uh, female characters in general in the Hobbit book. So it makes sense that she's there to try to help that, and that's why some people don't like that she's reduced, uh, depending on how you look at it, to a love triangle and stuff. So I understand all that, but it sucks that for the amount of effort they put in with her character that she does not truly get an ending. 
Because if you look at every other character in these movies, it stands to reason, whether you're a diehard or a casual fan, you have a general sense of where these characters go to. Thranduil probably goes back to Mirkwood. Legolas goes back to Mirkwood for a time. Well, he goes with Strider, who you know end up seeing you know in the White Council scene and all that stuff. That's when you see Legolas again. A lot of these dwarves, you know, some of them you know are, are referenced. You see the corpses of uh, in Moria. You know, other ones, you know, you just kind of know that they kind of just chilled back out there at Erebor and stuff like that. You get a lot of resolution, but the one character you really have no idea what the hell they get up to is Tariel. And it's just, I don't like it outside of even being just a fan and, and simp for, for Evangeline Lily, because it just, it's hard for me to rationalize. Like when I watch these movies in chronological order and I get to fellowship, I hate that. I'm always kind of asking like, where do, where's Tariel? Like, where do I think she is? And I can't, I can't imagine that she would go back to Mirkwood. And I know a lot of people would say that, but I can't imagine a woman who whole story is centered around the bigger picture and the bigger world as a whole would go back to the place that sheltered her and kept her away from all of that. So I hate that they couldn't even give like one throwaway line or just one just extended edition scene of her just like getting on a boat and going sailing somewhere. Yeah, you think they would have, because that's the thing, is like a lot of people will just be like, well, Josh, she was in the books, or so who cares? She's made up. But I'm like, but if you took the time to make her up and put her in these films and you yeah. give everyone else a, like a place, fair. you should give her a place as well. And, and I, I think it's pretty clear that she didn't go back because Legolas didn't go right. back. Like, he, she is the one that taught him to not stay behind their walls and only worry about themselves. So. I would, you know, the best guess I can come up with is that she was out doing heroic adventures. You know, you know and, and you actually Earth. leapfrog into a good point too. Legolas in this trilogy, as a criticism, is an asshole. And I remember when yeah. I was going into Battle of Five Armies, I thought we were going to get something between him and Tariel, maybe to like get his character to the next level of what we see him at in Fellowship, of where he goes from being this asshole in Desolation to the caring kind of silent type that we see in, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but we don't get that at all. Like we get a bit of stuff with his mom and stuff, but uh, you know, yeah. and, and I have to kind of reconcile as a fan when I watch it that she, you know, he's starting to get softer by the end of it. He's, he's caring. She's, she's the person who got him to care about the bigger world because he's helping. He's participating in the battle of the five armies. You know, he's fighting there at the end. He's the one guy trying to help out. Um, our buddy, uh, man, I'm forgetting all the names in this. Oh my God. Uh, Thorin, Thorin. Oh, no, he's Thorn, you know yeah. Thorin's down there fighting. What's his nuts, Mister Albino, buddy? And yeah. he's up there fighting Bog. You know. Well, I think it's pretty clear too that like the main reason that I mean we're we're going through the movies here. You know, I know the books would probably be a different story, but like the reason that Legolas is so different from Fellowship is because all the time he spent with Strider, and you see that in in the in the um, the Council of Elrond and Fellowship how much respect. Legolas yeah. has for Aragorn, yep. and that's probably and Aragorn is humbled. So I think that he probably humbled Legolas, and Legolas also got to leave the the forest that he had been in with under his his dad's thumb for so long. So I, I think it's, that's you know kind I would have liked, and I hate to be this person because I don't like when people are like, "What well, I would have done." I kind of hate like I like the Aragorn reference in a way, but I hate it because of how the execution is and that not, the timeline doesn't yeah. really add up with his age. Yeah, still even in movie form, I think, but. I would have much rather they just mentioned like, hey, why don't you, why don't you head out to Rivendell, son? They got some cool elves doing cool shit out there, and then we can yeah. process that like, oh yeah, he probably befriended Aragorn there somewhere along the way, and yeah, but we really didn't. I mean, did. we didn't need anything really. I mean, Legolas could just could have just said like, hey, I'm gonna go explore myself mm -hmm. and and figure out what I want to do. But um, I don't know. It, it could have been done better, but 
there there were they were laying the, the tracks down. Yeah, I'm I mean I'm 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 giving criticisms, but I mean I still ultimately love all that stuff. I mean I love that you know, I love that I get uh some elven dwarf stuff that uh, I get in you know, the middle or Lord of the Rings trilogy. I'm all over the place. My brain is scattered, but so there's, you, know, you get Gimli and Legolas there. You get some Tariel and uh, Keeley, yeah. or is it Feely? I'm never going to get there. Right. Uh, she's with Keeley, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Feely's the brother. Yeah. But yeah, there's um, so there's 30 hours of behind the scenes Hobbit um, footage, and I've watched all 30 hours of it, My a man. couple of it several times. And for the Battle of Five Armies, you, you start to see even more why some of the problems started to crop up because... He films, so Peter Jackson, he films a bunch of the scenes with the actors like Thorin and party running out of Erebor or Bilbo um, up on the the peak with Thorin and and, and, um, and their death scene. He films all these scenes that require like sets and actors. Yeah. But then there's this part in the behind the scenes where basically they send everyone away for, I think it's holiday break. It could have been summer break, but I think it was holiday break. They send all the cast away. Mm-hmm. And basically they just go to show that uh, Peter Jackson is like, okay, now I got to film a bunch of scenes myself for this movie now that everyone's on vacation. And he, he's in this warehouse with a camera and he's just filming through a 3D environment through a computer. He's just filming fake environments for the movie. So like a lot of the shots you see, a lot both action and just like environmental, is Peter Jackson just filming a 3D video game-like environment to make scenes up for the movie. So like when you get to battle five armies, like, cause one of the first complaints when unexpected came out, I was like, Oh, this looks a lot more clean and CG like than the Lord of the Rings did. There's a lot less practical effects. But by the time you get to battle five armies, it's kind of gotten a lot worse. Yeah. There's a lot of straight up full on CG stuff. A well, lot the of actual hygiene, battle of Armor, yeah. armies battle itself was just completely like CGI. Mostly like you even have like a um, big video game, Billy yeah. Connolly, you know, in there. And yeah. he's just yeah, it, Dane. Yeah, he's there's Dane Ironfoot, and he's just like all CG'd up, and he's head. How about just sawing off? <laughs> he, he's there like headbutting, like orcs and dropping them just by headbutting them. You know, and it's all yeah. just CG. It's like he sneezed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, Josh, let's get into some of the stuff we love about. Absolutely, this movie, we do love this movie yeah. more than we hate it. Um, I will say the biggest. So when I went and saw this movie in the theater, even though. As time went on, I started feeling like, ah, it was a little disappointing. When I saw it in the theater, I was hyped, and I was just out of my gourd, like, ah, that was amazing. This was the, oh, man, it was so good. And the moment that got me, that gave me chills down my body, which I'm sure a lot of movie connoisseurs out there who watch this movie now would be like, this this gave you chills, Brian? You are pathetic. But that that moment when, so the, the dwarves and the elves are about to fight, and then the orcs come out of nowhere, and then suddenly the dwarves... They switch their direction. Mm. They line up with their shields. And it just has like this close-up shot of like all the dwarves with their shield wall. And the orcs are running towards them. And at the last second, a bunch of elves jump over top of the dwarves, land in front of them, and start fighting the orcs. And it plays this really badass music. And and it was just like, holy shit, we're back, man. It's like a Return of the King, like giant fight again. Is it an exciting moment? Because that's for me, that was the moment where I'm like, this is the Battle of the Five Armies. I was like, here we go. You know, it started. Yeah. When I was a kid playing the game, uh, you know, after seeing the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I was trying to imagine like 
you know, pairing the, the battle itself, you know, with the aesthetic of the Lord of the Rings movies and trying to match that. And I'm seeing this all these years later, like fully realized it was still awesome to see. You have Radagast flying with bird shit on the opposite side of his head, you know, and Bayorn up there and stuff. And we <laughs> laugh and, and, and Brian, if you can, <laughs> can you, cause you, you tell it better than I do, but I think this happened when we were in the theaters, but this is one of the times I was so proud of because it's so hard to make Brian genuinely laugh out loud. But I remember, and you'll, you'll have to set the context, but there was a part in there where it's after the Smaug battle and everything, and every, I can't remember who it is, but they're walk, someone's walking past a guy, and he just moves his hand out of the way, oh. and I said, fuck the market, the market's gone. Yeah. Well, can you so tell me that and Josh, story? We used, to, we used to laugh about this all the time. It's such a dumb it's thing. An it's an inside joke like, for like 10 years now almost. So, so during Battle of the Five Armies, Bard is in the city of what is the city called? It's the city that's burned up, right? It's where the that is the desolation of Smog. Was it Dale? The city that's Dale. Oh, yeah, the city of yeah. Dale. So he's he's there in, in the city of Dale with and and he's like directing all of the all of the humans that are with him, like where to go and where the battles are taking place, and they need help down here. And and uh, there's a part where like Bard's like, "Have you seen my kids?" And one kid's like, "Last I saw them, they were in the market." And he runs down to turn the corner of the market, and this old guy runs by, just kind of bent over, and he's like, ah, fuck the market, the market's lost. <laughs> and Bard's just like, what? Like, I just heard my kids were there. But it's such a nonchalant, like, I, I almost feel like that probably wasn't an actor. Yeah. It was like a relative of someone who worked at, on, at like, Weta or, like, with Peter Jackson. And he's like, okay, just run through, you know, shake your hand and say, you know, the market's lost. He's just because he's like, ah, yeah, the market's fucked. It's gone. Just, just forget it. Your, your kids are dead. Your kids are dead. Um, but a uh, lot of good parts in this movie. We we kind of already covered the whole Dogelder subplot at the beginning, where Gandalf is helped by Gladriel comes to save uh, Gandalf. And I actually want to talk about that. Draw myself, that's my back. favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I'll try to summarize it, it since we're we're getting late in the episode. But that is my favorite sequence in the movie. Um, I just want to read very quickly uh, the the passage. You know, for you guys that it does happen in the book. Yes, yeah, this happens in the in the Return of the King book. There is a big section called the appendices at the very end, and all this is is a big timeline of things that happened before, things that happened a little bit during, a little bit after. This is a lot of stuff that expunged on details, such as like Arwen that they used in the movies. Whereas you know, you read the book of you know just all of them, and there's not a lot of Arwen in there. So there's a lot of stuff Jackson pulled from this. So in context of the Dolgo during scenes. It was said in here, in the late summer of the same year, 2941, Gandalf had at last prevailed upon Saruman and the White Council to attack Dol Guldur, and Sauron retreated and went to Mordor, there to be secure, as he thought, from all his enemies. Another passage said, the White Council meets. Saruman agrees to an attack on Dol Guldur, since he now wishes to prevent Sauron from searching the river. Sauron, having made his plans, abandons Dol Guldur. And I think there's another one here. Yet at last, as his shadow grew, Saruman yielded, and the council put forth its strength and drove the evil out of Mirkwood. And that was in the very year of the finding of this ring. Strange chance, if chance it was. Um, pretty interesting. And the last one, actually, this is from the Silmarillion. I didn't know this. To this Kurinir, now assented, desiring that Sauron should be thrust from Dolgodor, which was nigh to the river, and should have leisure to search there no longer. Therefore, for the last time, he aided the council, and they put forth their strength, and they assailed Dolgaldor, and drove Sauron from his hold, and Mirkwood, for a brief while, was made wholesome again. So, just pretty interesting, like, he takes those and just kind of expunges upon it. And I really, really liked the execution of it, and I, I know that for a lot of people it was fan service for me, it just felt really, really good. I loved how the Nine looked 
the Nazgul, whatever you want to call them. They looked badass. I thought yeah. the way they looked just was so fantastic. It was Jackson going back to his horror roots and like when he directed the Frighteners and just sort of made like the ghostly apparitions look so ethereal. I loved how they looked. But you should have stayed dead part. Yeah, that's fan service, but I loved it because I'm like, Elrond! And I'm like, oh, shit! You get to see... You can see Galadriel as the drowned witch again. Yeah, dude. Yeah, insane. And two things two things I think are interesting to mention about this scene is, for one, I, I remember I was actually with you, Josh, when I read this, which is crazy. We were at Barnes & Noble in Davenport, and there was a... I wish I had bought it. I don't know, because now it's like they're hard to find or whatever, but they had those big, like, companion books for each Hobbit movie. Oh, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, I and remember I was this. reading one. I was reading one in Barnes & Noble. It was the Desolation of Smog one while you looked around. Yeah. And I got to the page that had this Dogledore scene, and like it was talking about how Peter Jackson was like, we decided to go with um, what looks like the image of Sauron, but surrounded by flames that kind of looks like an eye, because in the Lord of the Rings movies, we had decided that Sauron wasn't able to take physical form. So like, how do we want to represent him as the necromancer? So he's like, when you see him in this movie, it's like Sauron in body form, but surrounded by flames. And then when Gladriel sends him back, he kind of like floats backwards to Mordor. So he's still kind of in like this spiritual form. He's not physical. And then another thing that's interesting is um, Shadow of Mordor, the video game, was coming out the same year or right before this movie. And they wanted to kind of like tie it in in a weird way. So like when they were marketing Shadow of Mordor, they were like, oh, so when you play Shadow of Mordor, you're a Gondorian ranger on the wall around Mordor and the game starts right after um, Galadriel and the White Council have pushed Sauron back into Mordor in the Battle of Five Armies. So at the time, they were marketing it like, hey, if you want to like have a game to go with the movie, you can play Shadow of Mordor, mm-hmm. which takes place right after this moment. So that was that was a good year for Middle-earth fans. We, we, we were yeah, clean good. it was. One last passage. This is actually from the Unfinished Tells Brian of the section, The Quest for Erebor. That is why, to jump forward, I went off as soon as the expedition against Smaug was well started and persuaded the council to attack Dolgaldor first, before he attacked Lorien. We did, and Sauron fled, but he was always ahead of us in his plans. I must confess that I thought he had really retreated again, and that we might have another spell of watchful peace, but it does not last long. Sauron decided to take the next step. He returned at once to Mordor, and in ten years he declared himself. I think this stuff is so fascinating to me. I mean, just to summarize, I love the Dolgeldur stuff because it's a great, it's the best tie-in I think this whole trilogy really gets outside of the ring stuff itself to yep. the build-up to what, where we're heading next. Like if you're if you're like if you're showing River these movies for the first time and you actually started with the Hobbit movies and, and she sees that, I feel like that definitely will give her a better sense of where this may potentially be going in the fourth film. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's just a great setup. And you see, my favorite thing is that Saruman, you clearly see in the moment as they're banishing Sauron, that Saruman is terrified, like out of his mind, terrified. And then when they're all done, when all is said and done, Saruman's like, leave them to me. I'll take care of them. And it really yeah. goes to imply that this is why we see Saruman in the Fellowship revealed to be working with him. You know, it's pretty cool. I thought that was he's well basically, executed. rather than being vigilant as the lead of the White Council, he's kind of watering the whole situation down mm-hmm. so that by the time you get to Fellowship, it's too late to do much. And he's like, oh, we got to side with the enemy. 
Uh, and then Gandalf's like, since when did you abandon reason for madness? madness? <laughs> <laughs> they have that old wizard yeah. fight, which is so yeah. fucking dope. It is. That's the type of shit you've seen in 80s fantasy paintings and imagine, bro, when they're staring into their orb. I love it, dude. Saruman the White, Saruman the Fool. <laughs> um, but some other of the scenes that I love from Battle of Five Armies is, is basically a lot of just the character moments. There's a there's a there's a cut scene that's in the extended between Bofor and you've seen the extended before, right, Josh? Of Battle. Oh yeah, dude. Okay. I don't watch it any other okay. way, man. Well, I feel like you got to it way later, like years later than me. Am I wrong about Mm-mm. that? I feel like no. Mm-mm. Okay. I don't. I feel like we had this conversation where you for a long time where you hadn't seen it, but I had. But maybe, maybe that's wrong. possible. But I mean, every I, um, I've seen it at least like three or four times now on extended. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a scene with Bofor and uh, Bilbo where Bilbo is sneaking out to Bofor always reminds give me of up. Brian. Yeah. And Bofor's just like uh, Bofor's basically like it's this whole scene between them where like neither of them saying what's going on, but Bofor's like you're gonna leave us because we're doomed, and Bilbo's like no, I'm not, and he's like. Yeah, you are, and it's okay, buddy. I love you. And it's like a really good scene between them. There's a really good scene between Dwalin and Thor. Or Thr- or, I'm sorry, um, Thorin, mm. where he's like, you know, where he gets mad at Thorin because he's like, you cannot see beyond the crown above your head. Oh, the whole dragon whole sickness like, stuff I thought was yeah, great. The dragon sickness. Um, there's uh, the the part where, um, which I know it was played up for trailers, but I still think it was pretty powerful. The part where Keeley comes at Thorin, and he's like, I will not have others. Fight our battles for us, yeah. and then and then Thorin. That's like right when he's gotten clear headed again. He's like, "You're right. We won't. We're brothers of Durin. We got to go out there and fight him together." Yep. Uh, that was a great moment. Um, the mo- the death scene between Thorin and Bilbo is a really sweet moment where he's like, "Plant your acorn in oh. your trees." And I'm telling like, you what that that moment itself, like that is on the level that is on the high level of any emotional scene. In any the Lord of the Rings saga, and like any it's scene from there. there, it's up there. It is so well executed, and yeah. Bilbo just immediately like sobbing afterward. It's so gentle, like the acting in that is so fucking. It's really well done. Uh, then there's oh, man. Then, then this is like a negative more than a positive. I'm trying to stick on the positive stuff, but like there's a funeral scene for for Thorin mm-hmm. and Feely and Keeley, and they left it out of the theatrical. Yeah. So if you saw it in the movie theater back in the day, you just never see them bury them or, or give them what? any kind of like. It's in the extended, I can get though. past that. Like I was happy when I heard when they kind of teased before the release of the extended cut of what may some of the stuff that may be in there, and they one of the things they did tease was that funeral, and I was pretty happy to see that because I did want a little more conclusion of that. But I thought, well, the bigger sin is always going to be that they excluded Saruman's death from Return of the King. I mean that that caused a that drove a wedge between Christopher Lee and Peter Jackson until like the Hobbit movies came out. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, I, I mean. Dude, everything you said, I mean, the the finale of just, I thought the whole fight between Thorin and Azog was great, you know, because even though you know how it's going to end. It was a end, little over, it was a little much, but I Yeah, I mean, I, what I liked, when, like when he goes under the ice and stuff like that, I thought that was really well done. And obviously him, uh, Thorin, just dying and like you said, you know, plant your acorns, watch them grow. I'm like, oh, fuck, because there's a scene, a bit of foreshadowing earlier in the movie of when amidst yep. all the dragon sickness, you know. He accuses, he accuses Bilbo of having uh, the Arkenstone. Thank you. And Bilbo shows that he's just got an acorn. And it just immediately yep. softens a thorn. And he's like, oh, man, you get that return of thorn again. And, you know, there's other scenes I really love when um, Bard kind of goes with everybody and tries to reason with him. And you get that little passage, that little vision through the uh, 
the little gap in the wall. Yeah. That's where they're communicating through. And I love that sequence. I also think the farewell that Bilbo has to the, to all the dwarves, I think is so Very emotional. sad, yeah. you know, and he basically, what does he tell him, Brian? Yeah. He's like, he's like, if you guys ever want to come by, tea is at four, the door will be unlocked. You don't have to wipe your feet or whatever. And then the, uh, you, they pants yeah, over the door. And they're all just, just like, thinking about they're all just like, you've changed so much. You cared so much about the yeah. stuff when we met, Ugh. but now you don't care. And just like the fact that they've lost a couple of the dwarves and it's not the same anymore. And then you have that nice like journey home with, with Gandalf and Bilbo. And, and, and to my surprise, like this surprised me at the time, but like I, I came to learn later that this is canon. Like at the very end of the movie, pretty much Gandalf's like, yeah, I know you have a ring. Be careful with that shit. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but like, yeah, in the movies, he knew that Bilbo had found something. He just, in, in the books as well, he just, he didn't think it was the one. Yeah, he didn't know it was the um, one, but he knew something he was He doesn't up. know, he, yeah. Um, and then you get to the this, this. I really like how the movie ends up with him coming back and them auctioning off everything in his house, and the Sackville Bagginses are taking his, like, forks and spoons and stuff, yeah. and I think the actual final, final ending was, like, perfect, because it ends with him going back to his house, and it's been ransacked. And he sees the handkerchief on the ground that was so vitally important to him in the first movie. Like, we got to go back for my handkerchief. <laughs> and he sees the handkerchief and he's like, you can tell he's just like, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I don't care. And then he uh, he pulls the ring out and he looks at it in his, in his hand. And then immediately it changes to Ian Holmes' hand. And you hear the door knock and it's Gandalf knocking from Fellowship with a Ring. And he's like... We don't want any well wishers, visitors, or you know, and it's like that scene, and then it's just like, what about very old away. friends? And my dear Gandalf, and then it's like, and it's like, oh, we're right back in to the fellowship. So like, I don't know. People look at these three movies with like the bloat, the too much CG, the added characters, the things that need to be there, the Alfred stuff. The there's a lot of stuff that's like you either might think it's cringe or sucks or stupid. People be like, oh, it should have been one movie. I actually never agree with the one movie set. I don't know. I think, I think, I think two, two thick movies would have been probably plenty when you cut out a lot of stuff that didn't really need sure. to be there. But at this point in time, now that this, this trilogy next year, Josh, this trilogy is 10 years old. I know. Next year. Yeah. Um, now that it's this I old, it. <laughs> I just love it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just love it for what it is. And I, I'm okay with, I'm okay with its shortcomings. I would not want to not have these three movies. Like, I'm glad I lived oh through gosh, these three yeah. movies. I got. I to wouldn't see change them. You know, I mean, like, I would just add a Tariel finale. That's it. But yeah, I man, and when you said flourish. the the when you were quoting that Bilbo farewell, man, that got me, dude. That I, there's something yeah. about that one that hits. Uh, that's one of those. That's one of those peak Middle Earth moments. That's why it makes you sad that there's not a little bit more to the ending because that's kind of the big moment. Yeah. For the him and the dwarves, that's kind of it. Oh, right for there. sure. I mean, there's the funeral scene if you if you have the extended cut, but yeah. Well, and yeah, uh, you it's, know, it's it's kind of it's kind of mentioned in Fellowship, and we'll have to talk about that in the next episode. So I guess a little sizzle, but like when one of the big differences of that book. Versus the movie is like when Bilbo leaves the Shire, he leaves with a couple dwarves. There's some dwarves there that go with him yeah. and stuff. So it's just pretty cool stuff. But I love this trilogy for what it is. And I especially love that ending too, because I feel like it, all three of those movies just further enhanced the fellowship in particular to me, uh, as well as just the overall trilogy, but more so just the stuff with Bilbo himself, because the whole aspect of Bilbo wanting to go off on his adventure in the fellowship really gets the proper exposition and you understand why this character who's not overall important to the fellowship of the ring, the, you know, just the middle, or I'm, I'm sorry, the Lord of the Rings yeah. trilogy as a whole, you get the context of why 
uh, he's going on his adventure, why he wants to leave the Shire, why all this stuff is getting set up to kick off Frodo's adventure. And I love that. Like when he's telling, you know, he's having trouble parting with the ring and then he does and he tells, you know, Gandalf, like, I'm going now, you know. Uh, or, or that was during the disappearance. But basically when he leaves and everything and he's singing The Road Goes Ever On, it's so sweet. And I think back every well, time so I watch much it, up. I think back to his adventure and like he went back to the Shire, but he couldn't go back living that way. You know what I mean? It's just it's like the Tariel thing of like you try to go back to a sheltered life of what you're used to. And he was so scared to leave. He was so scared to go on any adventure. And then he does. And it turns out, you know, like Gandalf says, and, and you get that really good tease in the opening of an unexpected journey. Is there any chance I, when I, you know, if I come back, I'll, I'll be the same. And Gandalf says something like that, you know, to him. Yeah. And Gandalf's like, no, you yeah. won't be. And he's like, That's he's what not I'm the same. Of. Yeah. And he's not the same. And, it it makes you understand because if you're if you're like a lot of probably people listening to this episode right now, you probably watched the Fellowship of the Ring and that was your first exposure to Lord of the Rings. If you're if you're our age or younger, you might have read the books, but a lot of people just watched it. And I, and I think when I used to watch Fellowship as a kid, I always kind of wondered like, well, why is Bilbo such? Why why does everyone in the Shire see him as such a weirdo? Yeah. Why does everyone complain about his oddities? Well, it's because. They've all been in this little sheltered town forever, and he's been out there, had huge adventures, seen death, seen seen evil. You know, he's had this ring with him the whole time. And if you've if you've never read the books, but you watch the Hobbit trilogy and then you watch the Lord of the Rings movie, you can see how much care and attention was put in the Fellowship to make it pay homage to what happened in the Hobbit. Because right off, when you start off at the beginning, you know, there's you know Frodo gets with Gandalf on the cart in Fellowship, and he's like. Um, you know, you, you, you're a menace around here. And he's like, and then Gandalf's like, if you're referring to the, the incident with the dragon, I had hardly anything to do with it. Like, well, it's like, well, we just watched the movies, bro. You totally set <laughs> yeah. this whole thing up. You kicked you're it fucking off. fucking liar. You know? Yep. You see, um, you, you hear Gandalf tell, um, literally hear Gandalf tell Frodo that Bilbo had mithril rings that he received from Thorin yeah. in that yep. movie. You get to see his, his Bilbo's trolls that turn to cement, and they're in the exact same position that they were turned into in the Hobbit movies. And there's several other references. So many references that, that yeah, it, um, Jackson had some good foresight on there, even though he never planned on making those at intended the time. to be back. And but I, I think, yeah. I think this trilogy has a different tone to it. It's a bit more comical. And I love that about this overall trilogy. And I think just the ends of it justify the means going into the different tone and setting of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I really like that because I feel like they complement themselves very well. And I'll try to summarize this real quick, but the thing I love about the differences in a, in the adventures is, you know, you, you have, this adventure of these dwarves going after a dragon to reclaim their homeland, you know, which isn't seen as, as world ending, you know, as this other adventure, which is this dark master that wants to take over the land and, you know, this, uh, rule, you know, with an iron fist. And it's just like so different. And I love that both trilogies give me that in different ways. This one, you know, the dwarves are a bit more goofy and stuff. The other one is a, is a lot more serious and somber. You can be in a mood to watch The Hobbit, but not Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but I feel like, yeah. like uh, I don't know if you're about to go into Final Verdict or anything, Brian, but uh, looking at my letterbox, I gave this a 2.5 out of 5. And I do feel like it has more problems than it does good stuff in it. But the best moments in this movie are some of the best moments in the Middle Earth saga as a whole. It hits those peaks very, very high. And I think ultimately concludes stuff mostly well. 
the 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 Legolas thing, the Tariel thing, are really the two things for me that feel a bit jarring and strange or unresolved. But everything else, I feel like, wraps up very very well. Yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? Um, because, like, if we were just going subjective, guys, like it would be the most uninteresting conversation ever. Because for me, like, honestly, subjectively. All three of these movies are tens to me. And it's like, oh, come on, Brian, really? Like, Battle it's Star a fun Rangers, factor, like, though. I get it. It's, it'd be yeah, the same it's, it's for me. Fun, like you said, on I would rather I would rather be able to watch Battle of Five Armies than watch The Matrix or watch Dune or watch Blade Runner. And I know that's insane because those are, like, amazing it's not top insane. movies. But, I, I get it. But I just care more yeah. about it. So, like, if we're going subjective, all these movies are tens for me. All six Middle Earth films, it's a ten across the board. I overlook all the faults. But if we're going like objective, I think I agree with Josh's score, 2.5 out of 5 or a 5 out of 10. This is a very, when you take into account how long this is, how padded it is, how much needless action and, and, and random things that happen that aren't important, the the, the CG, the uh, the weird opening. It, the lows got, are low, but the highs are highs. Yeah, the highs the highs are like those typical Peter Jackson, Middle Earth, like acted moments. I feel like where he needed to make yeah. it count, he did. Thorn's death, you know, going back to the Shire, yeah. a lot of those big heavy-handed moments. It was good enough to close the trilogy out. Like, I think it's it kind of barely skidded by in some areas, but I think, like, the consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is kind of accurate. Like, it, it, it went out on a somewhat satisfying... And you know, Brian, the older I get, the more I watch these, uh, the more I feel like you're the Frodo to my Bilbo. Like, Bilbo is very much my own adventure, hmm. and I feel more, like, I feel more connected to him, oh. and I always see you more connected yep. to Frodo. Not to say well, you're not Bilbo, not to say I'm not Shades of hey, Frodo. I'll take but it. But I mean, I just... I'll take it. I just think of... It's funny watching the... It's funny, because I'm reading Fellowship of the Ring now, and it's funny reading it, and like, Bilbo, when they get to Rivendell, Bilbo pretty much, he kind of acts as if, to Frodo, he kind of acts as if, hey, I've been through this. Yeah. I know what you're going through. I did the journey. I had the ring. You know, I get it. He's And he keeps mentioning to Frodo, he's like, when you get back... We gotta fill out my book with with what you with your chapters. Yeah. You know, like I've been doing my chapters. We gotta get yours in here. And it's like it's almost like Bilbo. And to be fair, even Frodo doesn't realize it. But like Bilbo doesn't realize like his journey was legit, but it's nothing compared to Frodo. absolutely like like because because the journey that Bilbo went on was dangerous and like and, I said, it's about, happened, it's about reclaiming but, a dwarven homeland. You know, from this yeah. dragon. Frodo's is about this dark lord named Sauron, and, and this guy wants to take the over. End of our, the end of life as we yeah, know it. The end of absolutely. life as we know it. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it's just cool to see, like... I like to think... It's, it, it's wonderful for the readers of Tolkien's books, because it's like, for people who read The Hobbit and loved Bilbo, you gotta imagine, Josh, like, put in our scenario, like, let's say we play, um, oh, what's, what's a game to think of that we love? Um, well, what I was trying to get at is basically that if you had read The Hobbit and loved Bilbo... Mm-hmm. It probably would have kind of sucked to realize, oh, wait, he's doing another book? Oh, wait, the main character's a different hobbit named Frodo? Why can't it be Bilbo again? Why can't it all be Bilbo? I want Bilbo. You know, it's like you can see how, like, for us, it's like Master Chief or something. It's like, I don't want to play as Master Chief. I want to play as Arbor. I want to play as Master Chief or whatever. It's like, but he paid such respect to Bilbo and what his journey was before and what he'd been through. And he kind of slowly integrates him out Perfectly said. I love that because it's what people would today call a legacy take. 
of just having the other characters sort of grandfathered in and easing them out. And if you read the Council of Elrond chapter, it's like 30 pages long and they go into huge details about recounting the events of the the Hobbit and other things. So there's a lot of that in there that he paid homage to and connected the dots with. Absolutely. But Brian, (laughs) it got me thinking the moment I said, "I'm, I'm Bilbo in these movies and you're Frodo in those. It's got, it got me thinking when you when we get to fellowship and you get there and I you know I see the ring I'm like ah! I'm the guy that's looking at you like you got butterfingers in your hand. No chili cheese dip. <laughs> I just got off work. Justin's chili cheese dip because that's just fire, bro. But hey, I love this trilogy, man, and it's I'm glad we got to close this out. This movie is a lot of fun, made a lot of memories for me, and always makes Brian and I's friendship closer. It's the biggest thing that binds us together is is the Middle Earth saga. Absolutely. Yeah, we we uh, we finished it, Josh. We did a full trilogy of movies. Yeah. We've concluded it. Um, hey, Brian. And now lunch is at 11, whatever the fuck he said. <laughs> you know, if you ever want to stop by. <laughs> Buffets at 12. That's when you really want to be there. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying 11. Come at 12. Uh, Casey's Pizza will be there. Music will be oh, crunk. Beautiful. We'll be playing that. Is there soda? You better be. Soda. Oh, I'll I get the soda for you. I'll get some of that squirt. You like yeah. squirt soda, I think. Uh, give me that game. You fuel, want that game fuel? Yeah, I'll pick that up for you. I'll just have me some H2O. Guys, we love having you here. <laughs> we love They're talking about back again. We did it, everyone. They're back again with, with Brian and Josh. You guys, let us know what you thought of uh, the Battle of Five Armies, the Hobbit trilogy as a whole. Congratulate us on finally finishing this out. We thank you so much. We love you guys. And as always, keep it sacred. Well, I think I'll slip quietly away. Will you tell the others I said goodbye? You can tell him yourself. Uh, if any of you are ever passing back in, uh... tea is at four. There's plenty of it. You are welcome anytime. I don't bother knocking. <laughs> <laughs>